Greetings, ladies and managers, and welcome to this narration of the web novel, Humans Don't Make Good Familiars. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. Part 56 Jake's POV I'll see you in a sec, I said, before Suma and Vindicta flew up to the side of the cliff and out of view. I summoned you, Paxis! I heard Von Pax shout in the distance, and his familiar disappeared. Then Vindictus did. Then, finally, I did. Once I arrived, I looked at the path up ahead, and a feeling of dread washed over me. What's wrong? Sima asked. No, nothing. Uh, I, I just don't like caves, is all. I said, gesturing to the cramped opening to a small cave. It couldn't have been more than a meter tall and wide, large enough for them but I would need to get on my hands and knees to squeeze through. I've never been afraid of tight spaces, but this wasn't exactly the same thing. Quit dawdling, let's go, Van Pack said, perching on his familiar saddle and heading into the cave. I think that I may have to ride on your familiar saddle, Vendicta. Jake is too tall for this, Zuma said, examining the cave. Of course, Vendicta answered. Suma thudded over and landed on the side of the saddle because there wasn't a second proper perch for her to use. They made their way into the cave behind Von Pack, and I was left outside. Oh joy, I mumbled and got on my hands and knees to begin crawling. The cave was tight, or at least it felt that way. In reality, I wasn't touching the sides or top of the cave, but that didn't mean that I wasn't feeling the pressure. Thankfully, Von Pack knew how to create fire, so he lit the way for us. I was grateful for it. I know I wouldn't have been able to handle the cave if it were pitch black. Just close your eyes and keep moving, I quietly whispered to myself. As we went along, the cave grew more and more narrow. Eventually, there was no more than an inch of space between me and the sides of the cave. I was not handling it well. Suma's POV The cave we were walking through started out wide enough, but as we moved along it became less so. Vindictors and Von Pack's familiars were having no issues as far as I could tell. Jake grew more and more distressed with each passing moment. I could hear his breathing getting heavier and more frequent. Is Jake going to be okay? Vindicta asked me too quietly for the others to hear. I don't know, I answered honestly. I have never seen him like this. Stop, Von Pack announced prompt. What's wrong? Jake called out, slightly panicking. There is a fork up ahead, left or right, Von Pack answered. Which one is bigger? I asked, trying to make it easier on Jake. Left, he called back after a brief moment of silence. I heard Jake let out an audible sigh. We continued on for a while through the left path. And while Von Pack was right about it being wider, that didn't mean it was wide enough. I can't fit Praxis any longer. We either need to turn back or send our familiars away until we are out of this cave, he announced. A grocer is having trouble too, Vindicta said. Jake, I asked. Send me back, he said simply, but urgently. His eyes were wide and he was almost on his stomach by this point. Without another word, I unsummoned Jake and he disappeared back to his world. Vindicta and Von Pack followed suit, and soon it was just we three 
Niam, standing in the dimly lit cave. Without our familiars, the cave felt far less cramped, but certainly not wide open. POV of Von Pack I and my team, two less than Yeva, stood in a cave that I was keeping lit with a fire spell. I was creating a ball of fire that hung in the air a few feet away, illuminating enough to see. I guess this means we fly, the unnamed Niamh stated. Earlier she received a name from a familiar, but I refused to acknowledge such a manner of receiving a name on principle. We'll have to be careful. The tunnel is getting even more narrow the further we travel. If we fly too fast, we might get injured. The one named Sewer said, stating the obvious. Of course, I'd already known to fly carefully and did not need her to remind me of such trivial things. She was another one who had been named by that annoying familiar. But since the Grand Duke had already acknowledged her name, it was illegal for any Niemma to refuse to use it. So I had no choice in the matter. Just try not and get left behind, I told them, and began flying down the tunnel. They followed suit. My fire spell produces light, but its range is limited. So, if they fall behind, then they would either need to create their own spell, or they will be lost in the dark. I graciously flew slower than I wanted to, so as to not outpace them. But of course, I received no thanks. Von Pack, slow down. You're flying too fast, the unnamed one called out. I should have known. Even holding back, I far outclass any commoner. Unfortunately, listening to that commoner distracted me, and I was unable to see and react to the end of the tunnel as it approached from the darkness outside the effects of my spell. Ah! I cried out before trying to slow down, but colliding into the wall nonetheless. The POV of Lorik Isbala. My team and I had been skating the mountain for three hours at this point, but now we stood at the top. We should spread out and search for those bands, I suggested. The others agreed, and we began looking for them. The mountain was beautiful. The trees and forested area had been left behind some time ago, but it was replaced by snow and ice. Loyalty was having trouble with the cold, so I unsummoned him and rode on the back of one of the other two's familiars. While we were searching, I decided to simply fly low to the ground so that we could cover as much area as possible. Found them, one of the others called out. We all converged on the area and saw four silver bands hanging from metal poles. Four of them. That means that we are the first to arrive, one of the other two noticed. Perhaps, but that doesn't mean that we'll be the first back to camp. We should get moving, I said. We took one and strapped it to the saddle of one of our familiars, then began heading down the mountain. Vendicta's point of view. The sound resonated through the tunnel as one pack slammed into the end of the tunnel and fell to the floor. <laughs> I laughed briefly before catching myself and landing safely on the ground by one pack, who was completely unconscious. Well, if you have to be knocked out, best to do it with two healers in the room, I said and began treating Von Pack's injuries. Suma cast her own fire spell as Von Pack's disappeared as soon as he fell unconscious. What was he thinking? Suma complained. Probably something like, Ha, I'm the best flyer in the world. I don't need to wait for these commoners, I mocked. Uh, oh. Von Pack groaned as he began to wake up. What happened? 
You hit the wall and got knocked out, I told him. Now stop moving. I'm not finished healing you. For a moment, I thought he was going to protest, but instead, he stayed still and remained quiet. Dead end, Zuma said, examining the end of the tunnel. We need to turn back. Not necessarily, one back said, standing up after I ended the healing spell. I have an affinity for nature magic. I can move the dirt and extend the tunnels. I thought that you were a healer, I asked. I am, he replied. Not everyone who becomes a healer has to have an affinity for healing magic. I suppose that's true, I realized. I don't know. We may just want to go back and take the other tunnel, Zuma stated. That would take time. And if we want to win, then time is not something that we have to spare, Bonpak reasoned. Digging out a tunnel would take time too, and there is no guarantees that it will be faster, I pointed out. He seemed annoyed by my response, but instead of snapping, he relented and agreed to go back. We came to the conclusion that if the right was a dead end too, then we would dig rather than go all the way back and lose all the progress that we'd made. End of chapter. Chapter 57. Suma's POV. Digging out the tunnel would take time too, and there is no guarantee that it'll be faster. Vindicta pointed out. Von Pack seemed annoyed by her response, but instead of snapping, he relented and agreed to go back. We concluded that if the right was a dead end too, then we would dig rather than go all the way back and lose the progress we made. We flew for a few minutes. Eventually, we arrived at the turn and took the other path. This time, each took the precaution of having their own light source so that if we did get sped up again, we wouldn't be left in the dark. Monpak was still in front and was going much slower this time. He was also being careful to stick close to us. They turn ahead, Bonpak announced. It goes left. We all snowed down and took a turn one at a time. Now, right, he announced again, after a bit more flying. Once again, we slowed and turned. Up! He shouted suddenly and flew upwards. I slowed again and saw that there was a sharp turn upwards. Ah, Vindicta yelped and came to an almost complete stop just before hitting the tunnel wall. Are you okay? I asked, coming to a stop behind her. Yes, she replied. Bonpak landed softly on the ground, and we, Vindicta, and I joined him. The tunnel gets too narrow to fly up ahead. It's barely a body length wide in less than ten seconds of flight, Bonpak explained. Jake's Point of View I can't fit Paxis any longer. We either need to turn back or send our familiars away until we are out of the caves, Bonpak said. Ogosia is having trouble too, Mendicto said. Jake, Suma asked, worried. Send me back. I told her while trying not to let my panic show. I was absolutely freaking out. I was crawling along the tunnel floor on my belly. The only reason I was able to go that far was by turning myself over and over again that I could get out just by asking Suma to send me back, which is what I did the exact moment I had the chance. It was dark, so I couldn't see myself disappear, but I did notice once the darkness became fully engulfing and swallowed me up. Ever closer, never as close as he was now, I heard a distant but familiar voice say, Come step into my maw, said another familiar voice. You already stand upon my head. No, he's gone now, far away, the calm one said. While all of this was happening, I felt like I was floating in darkness. 
There was no light, no falling sensation, and I didn't see the source of the voices. No longer within my reach. As soon as he said that, I opened my eyes to see a dimly lit bathroom at the gym, the one that I was summoned from earlier. The panic from being stuck in the cave finally caught up with me, and I rushed to an open store and threw up. I spent several minutes in the bathroom trying to hold back the panic attack. I am never doing that again, I panted quietly to myself in the stall. Once the attack passed, my mind began to clear up and I was able to focus on what happened with those voices. Why do they keep showing up? I wondered. There didn't seem to be any common denominator between the time I had seen them. First was when I became Sumer's familiar. Next was when Sumer summoned me a few months ago. And now, the only common factor is Sumer, and she didn't know anything about it. I thought about what the thing said. You already stand upon my head. That's what he said. What does that mean? I pondered it for a few minutes, and then came up with several disturbing theories. But that's all they were. Theories. Until I had more information, I decided to just go home and wait for Sumit to call me back. Hopefully, not in a cave again. Is someone here? I heard a voice call from the bathroom door. The gym is closed. How long have you been in here? The voice, a man, asked me. I walked out of the store and saw what looked to be a staff member. Uh, sorry, haven't been in here long, I told him. We've been closed for over an hour. How did you get in? He asked, confused. Oh, well, I, I guess I've been here longer than I thought, I lied. Well, you gotta go, man, he told me. Right, sir, uh, of course, I said, and he walked me out. Could have sworn the bathroom was empty, I heard him mumble. Vindictor's point of view. We were going along at a steady, albeit slow pace, as one pack moved mounds of dirt with each second. Left, right, left, right, he chanted, as he used his magic and slide the dirt aside. He would chant the dirt would move, and he would fly forwards. Then the cycle would repeat. We were moving forwards at an incline, so that we would reach the top faster. I don't suppose anyone has magic that'll allow us to know how much farther there we have to go, I wondered. No, Summer said. Busy, one pack replied. Left. If this really is hard, then there should be hundreds of tunnels running through the mountain, meaning we don't have to go all the way up. We just have to find an intersecting tunnel, Summer told me. Speaking of which, I think there might be one of those tunnels coming up. The dirt is becoming much looser, which might mean an exit... Bonpack announced. Be better all hope that's what it means anyway, because I'm running out of mana. Performing one spell after the other is taking greater tolerance than I assumed that it would, he explained. How much longer can you keep? I was going to ask, but as it did, the tunnel in front of us collapsed and revealed an opening to a new tunnel. Oh, good. Thank the dragons, Bonpack said, and laid on the ground, exhausted. Quite, uh, literally, Simo remarked, but I think that I will thank you too, Von Pack, uh, just this once. Von Pack seemed caught off guard by this. He looked like he wanted to say something, but remained quiet. He's speechless. It's a miracle, I joked. Von Pack stuttered and scoffed for a moment, probably offended, but just shook his head and sighed. Point of view, Von Pack. He's speechless. It's a miracle, the nameless Van Dicta said, most likely in an attempt to tease me. I was caught off guard. 
I tried to say some kind of retort, but fumbled over my words and resigned to remain silent instead. I'd been injured earlier, badly. I was rendered unconscious, but rather than leave me behind for slowing them down, they healed me. I thought them foolish. Why would they risk not winning for anyone? Why sacrifice victory for a fool who made arrogant mistakes? I wouldn't have. This place is enormous, the one called Suma said after inspecting the new tunnel that I had unveiled. It's as wide and open as a grand temple. I was still weak, but I managed to stand and fly over to the opening. She was right. The area was huge. It was not only tall, but it was also stretched farther than the light of our flames could reach. The darkness made the area feel endless in every direction. The dark rock that made up the walls also seemed to absorb the light that somehow managed to reach it, creating what appeared to be a void where nothing existed. This is incredible, Vindicta loudly exclaimed. The room filled with something that shook us to our core. Incredible, incredible, incredible. We were not alone in this cave. End of chapter. Chapter 58 Suma's POV. This place is enormous, I said, inspecting the new tunnel Von Pack revealed. It's as wide open as the Grand Temple. Von Pack was still weak, but managed to stand and fly over to the opening he created. This place is incredible, Mendicta excitedly shouted. After she yelled at, the room was filled with taunting chants. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Hello, I called out. We were not alone this place. Hello? 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 With each new voice reply, my anxiety grew. How are they doing that? How are they using our voices? Mandicta asked, afraid. Paxus! One Pax said quickly, summoning his familiar. He had a good idea. One Vindicta and I quickly did as well. Orgosa! Vindicta yelled. Sentinel! I shouted. Normally, I would ask Jake first, but this was an emergency. Jake, get ready for a fight. We're surrounded. I said to him, just as he fully appeared. What? He started looking around carefully and quickly. It's too dark. I can't see. Who is out there? Von Pack called out. Show yourself! Once again, the creature repeated our words. Jake looked around, concerned, while Medicta panic. Why are they doing that? She said, scared. What are they doing? Jake asked, confused. Can't you hear them? They are repeating our words, Monpak said, still focusing on the surrounding darkness. Jake looked confused for a moment, then glared, stunned into the darkness. Then he started laughing. <laughs> he then lowered this weapon that he had summoned after arriving. Our, um... Are you laughing? I asked, dumbfounded. I, I, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Just, 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 I can't believe that. Jake gasped and giggled. This is serious. Stop your laughing and get ready. Who knows what they want? Bonpack snapped. Jake laughed a bit more, but slowly regained his composure and started to explain. I'm sorry, it's just that there's no one out there. Those are just echoes, Jake told us. What are, um, echoes? I asked. Jake's POV. Echoes are just sound waves bouncing back off hard rock walls, uh, then coming back to us, I explained. 
Things like this happen all the time in my world. My people live in places similar to this, so we hear echoes all the time. I guess since your people live in vine buildings, trees, or just tunnels too small for echoes to be of any substance, you haven't had to deal with them too much. How can you be sure? Von Back asked, still unsure of my explanation. Let me show you, I said. I had an idea. I would use the opportunity to practice my fire magic and create enough light to illuminate the huge cave that I'd been summoned into. I wasn't happy about being here again, but at least this place was open enough for me to stand up in. I sent away Destiny and Igus, then focused on my spell. Fire is a strange thing. It is a byproduct of a high-energy converting chemical reaction that bonds oxygen and carbon into carbon dioxide. It is technically a high-energy gas, so to make it all I need to do is burn some fuel. I first imagined gathering oxygen and a fuel to burn. In this case, I decided to use hydrogen since it burns hotter and is already in the air. Then I imagined heating them up like I did with the metal in the blacksmith's shop. Before I knew it, I had a seven-foot-wide ball of fire and a few meters above our heads. Incredible, Bonpak said. I have never seen such a pale blue frame. It's so big, Benedicta said. Okay, now I'll throw it over into the darkness and let it brighten up the stingy place, I joked, and then manipulated the spell and flung it into the darkness. I wish I hadn't done that, yeah, because um, we were not alone. End of chapter. Chapter 59. Jake's POV. I first imagined gathering oxygen and a fuel to burn. In this case, I decided to use hydrogen since it burns hotter and is already in the air. Then, I imagined heating them like it did the metal in the blacksmith's shop. Before I knew it, I had a seven-foot-wide ball of fire and a few meters above our heads. Incredible, Von Back said. I've never seen such a pale blue flame. It's so big, Vindicta said. Okay. Now I'll throw it over there into the darkness, and let it brighten up the stingy place, I choked. I then manipulated the spell and flung it into the darkness. I wished I hadn't done that, because we were not alone. What was that about waves of sound? Bonback asked as he slowly made his way to the large opening in the wall. What, what are those things? Vendicta asked. Along the walls of the cave were monsters of some kind, dog-sized reptilian beasts, I think. I didn't get a good look enough to look before the light from the fireball faded away. No, no, no. Get back into the tunnel, though. I told them as I summoned Igus and Mori. Tunnel, though. Tunnel, though. Tunnel, though. The monsters echoed one after the other from the darkness. With what little light remained, I was able to see that it was in fact these... Uh, things that were echoing the sounds. Their mandibles clicked and twitched as they did. As quickly as I could manage, I created another fireball and moved it to a shadowed area in order to see those things again. This time, I got a better look. They were covered from one end to the other in a greenish scales, has long mandibles and tentacle-like feelers on their head. They had lizard-like bodies, but their heads seemed more like a cross between an insect than a fish. Their ears, or what I assumed were their ears, looked more like protruding fins from a fish's side. Everyone entered into the tunnel. I will close the entrance again, Von Pack said. Suma, as soon as Von Pack does that, uh, unsummon me, I told her. 
keeping an eye on the creatures, they were each beginning to turn and crawl towards us, so I really didn't want to stay any longer. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest, like it was going to explode. My ears were ringing, and there was an unswallowable lump in my throat. I really didn't want to get eaten by a lizard ant thing. I'm not just going to leave you with those things, Suma yelled. When she raised her voice, some of the creatures twitched and slithered closer. Yes, yes you are, just for a few seconds, I told her urgently. I turned away from the monsters for a moment and picked Suma up to place her into the tunnel, where Von Pack and Vindicta had already gone into. Leaning down and tossing her inside, I turned to Von Pack and said, Close it! I was trying to be careful not to raise my voice. He collapsed the tunnel as soon as everyone was inside. I turned around and realized that I was now face to disgusting scaly face with one of those beasts. Suma's POV Jake roughly quickly tossed me back into the tunnel that we had come from, then Von Pack closed the entrance he made. I scrambled back straight and unsummoned Jake as soon as I could. Jake! J Jake! I cried out desperately. I'm fine. I'm back home now. Get out of that tunnel, we shouted. We did not argue. We flew away as fast as we could manage. Each of us took turns collapsing sections of the tunnel as we went, just in case they were following us. Von Pack used nature magic as best he could to seal the collapsed areas, but he was now completely out of mana. So Vindictor and I had to do our best, but neither of us specialized in that type, so it wasn't perfect. If the trip to that opening felt long, then the trip away was an eternity. But we went as fast as we could manage. There was no care about safety while flying. Several times I clipped my wings in the narrow tunnel, but I forced myself to power through and not slow the others down. Yeah, I don't think they are following us, but don't slow down. As soon as we exit the tunnel, fly up and towards the peak. We need to be sure that we are safe, so I'll seal the exit as best I can, Von Pack stated. But, uh, you're almost out of mana, Vendicta pointed out. I will summon Paxis. I can use his mana, he said. Great plan, but you need mana for a summoning, and you are out, I reminded him. Jake has enough mana. We can use him, I suggested. Normally, I would want to ask Jake before doing something like this but I feel like he would agree. Fine, Von Pack agreed. We shot out of the cave, and I summoned Jake. Sentinel, I shouted. Jake began to appear before me, but something was wrong. He was laying on the ground and had blood running down his arm. Jake! End of chapter. Chapter 60. Vindictor's point of view. I see a light. We're almost there, I shouted. I don't think they are following us, but don't slow down. As soon as we exit the tunnel, fly up and towards the peak. We need to be sure that we are safe, so I'll seal the exit as best I can, Von Pack said. But you're almost out of mana, I pointed out. I will summon Paxis. I can use his mana, he said. Great plan, but you need mana for summoning, and you are out, Zuma reminded him. Jake has enough mana. We can use him, she suggested. Fine, Von Pack agreed. We shut out the cave and Suma summoned Jake. Sentinel, she shouted. Jake began to appear, but something was wrong. He was on the ground and blood was running out of his arm. Jake, she flooded over to stand by his head. I is he okay? I asked. The summoning is already healing him, but... She stopped and seemed rattled. He says 
He can't move. I, I didn't hear him say anything, Monpak said, triadly, walking closer. He was over our private connection, she explained. I was stunned. I had no idea a familiar and a master could communicate both ways via private connection. I'd only ever used mine to give a closer commands, and I know she was never used it to talk to me. Of course, she can't actually talk. Did he say what happened? He says that after we closed the tunnel, one of the creatures bit his arm. He knocked it off easily, but once I unsummoned him, he lost the ability to move, she explained. That creature must have had some kind of paralytic venom, Monpak suggested. While we were talking, Suma had already casted a healing spell, and Jake was slowly regaining his movement. Jake, Monpak needs mana in order to seal the cave. Can he borrow some of yours? Suma asked. <laughs> Jake tried to say. Do it. Suma confirmed after Jake gave up and laid back down. Monpak came closer and placed both of the tips of his wings on Jake's body. Jake, in turn, closed his eyes. And in a few moments, Monpak was surrounded by a brilliant dark blue and purple display. Light shined from his body as if he were ablaze. Monpak, Jake is inversion magic, so don't try and heal anyone until his manner has left your body completely. Monpak said nothing, but nodded that he understood. Each and every one of his feathers were puffed up. He slowly turned to the cave and cast a single spell. It appeared to be small, but the effect was extreme. I watched as the cave collapsed in on itself from as far into it as I could see. And based on the sound, I imagine it went even deeper than that. With a thunderous cacophony, the last of the cave was sealed. But one back wasn't done yet. He cast another spell that hardened and changed the color of the dirt turning it into stone. Incredible, I whispered. Point of view, one pack. The power I felt was incredible, like an unstoppable surge of overflowing river, and I was nearly swept away by it. Von Pack, Jake has inversion magic, so don't try and heal anyone until these manners left your body completely, Sue said, but I could barely hear her. I was so overwhelmed that I couldn't even bring myself to speak, but I could act. I turned and cast a spell. I used as much control and power as I could muster, and the effect was far greater than I could imagine. I can't be sure, but I think I collapsed the cave for several minutes of flight time. Incredible. I heard someone say softly. After I cast the spell, I could feel some of that power lingering. I examined myself. It seemed I was surrounded in a display, but it wasn't my normal color. This one was a dark blue with hints of purple, whereas mine is normally a light green. Not that I make a habit of showing off with displays like some haughty buffoon. When will this display fade? I asked. In a few minutes, but you need to use up the mana Jack gave you first, Sim explained. I could try and heal, I offered, but was cut off. No! Zuma shouted. I told you, you can't heal anyone with Jake's manner. But this power, I'm sure... No! Your healing spell would only be inverted. Right now, you don't have access to any order of magic, she said. But the nature spell worked, I pointed out. Nature magic can't be inverted. There is no opposite to nature. But if you tried casting a healing spell, it would be inverted, she told me. To what? Vindicta asked. 
Death magic, Zuma said. The POV of Lorik Isbala. My group and I finally arrived after a long travel with our prize in tow. Our familiars were tired, so we sent them off to rest as we located the drone instructor. He seemed surprised when he saw us. Back already? he asked. I hope the beasts of the mountainside didn't prove too much for you. No, sir, I said. We have our bands. One of the Niyama I was traveling with raised a leg that we had tied it around. Well, then, he said, sounding impressed, but didn't let it show too much. That makes your group the winner. No one else has arrived yet. Go get some food and sleep. Dismissed. With that, we left and went to eat. I'm going to enjoy an extra hour of sleep tomorrow, one of the other Niamas said, stretching out his wings. Me too, the other agreed. As will I, I stated. I must say that you two did well. We made a good team, the first one said. The other nodded in agreement. We weren't wrong. Our three skills and the individual natures of our familiars worked well together. Perhaps we can work well together again on our next training session, I suggested. They seemed appreciable to the suggestion and agreed. End of chapter. Vindictor's point of view. Our tattered and tired group walked up the rocky path that we had stumbled upon just short distance from where Von Pack found an entrance to the cave. Jake was in the back, still feeling sluggish from the paralytic bite of that creature. Von Pack was riding on my familiar. Well, he was less riding and more lying flat on my familiar's saddle, half passed out from manner exhaustion. I still can't believe it, Jake mumbled. Believe what? Suma asked from his shoulder saddle. That are perfectly safe, he stopped talking and looked at several large rocks rolling down the side of the mountain and falling off the side of the sheer cliff with a huge crack like a breaking branch as they hit the ground below. Well, uh, mostly safe. Path was just a few meters past the entrance of that cave. <sighs> One back groaned. I couldn't tell if he was agreeing or cursing, but he did whatever it was with that sounded like annoyance. How are you feeling, Jake? I asked. Barely, he replied. I was confused by his response. What do you mean? I wondered. Barely. I, I can barely feel anything except for tingling, uh, like pins and needles, I said. Where is the tingling? Maybe I can heal you a bit more, Simma asked. Just a few places. My hands, my arms, my legs, feet, chest, back, head, face. Oh, oh, oh yeah, and, and tongue. I can't forget that, he said. I'm... Sorry for bringing you there, Jake, Simmer said, her head lowered regretfully. Don't worry about it. You didn't know that the cave was filled with chupacabra. I reassured her. <laughs> Monpak groaned unintelligibly. His face pressed firmly into the corner of a grocer's saddle. What? Simmer said. Bonpak raised his head and spoke louder and more clearly. I thought that you said that they were called echoes, he asked, and then lowered his head again. A chupacabra is... well, it's like, uh... Ah, forget it. I'm uh, too out of it right now. Let's just call them echoes, Jake said, downtrodden. We all walked in silence for a while, slowly following the twisting and turning hill. The POV of the drill instructor. I was perched in my room when my assistant yelled that another group was spotted coming up the path. 
I quickly made my way outside and confirmed that it was in fact Team 4, which consisted of towmen and recruits 7 and 8. They seemed happy upon the familiar's back, and I could see why. The named Niemer towman had a silver band around his neck. They came striding into town, like they were hot stuff. Hello, drill instructor, towman said. Here is our band, sir. The other two removed the band from his neck, and the one brought it to me. And only a few minutes till nightfall, not bad for third place, I told him. Team Four should be proud. He seemed taken aback, like I had just pecked his head. Third, sir? Uh, are you t telling me that, that two other teams came before us? He almost whined. Yes, uh, teams one and two have both already arrived, I explained. At least we weren't last, one of the team members said. Yeah, we, we don't have to wake up early for training, the other agreed. Toman looked at his comrades in disgust. Aye, if you two hadn't, if we had, he started. His head fell forward. Ah, let's just go get some sleep. I don't care anymore. They walked away, probably feeling defeated based on Toman's response. I wonder what happened to them, my assistant asked. Dragon's Horde is filled with a number of dangerous creatures. They most likely had a tough time with some of them. I said, and then flew back to my room to wait for the next and final group to arrive. I wonder what's taking group three so long. They had a Viking after all. POV of Jake. It took two hours, but the last of the paralysis had finally worn off. Just in time, too, because all three of my teammates were perched somewhere on my body as I climbed up a steam hill. All of their familiars were either too tired to continue or couldn't be summoned due to lack of mana. Night fell over an hour ago, and I was maintaining a fireball a few meters above us to light our way. Most of the creatures on this mountain were nocturnal, apparently, so a giant fall of fire came in handy keeping them away. None of the beasts came close enough to see clearly, thankfully. How are you doing, Jake? Sima asked. I'm fine. Can you guys see okay? I asked. Niama didn't have particularly good vision at night. Well enough, Vendicta said sleepily. Von Pack didn't respond, because he was completely asleep. Our journey up the mountain continued for another thirty minutes before I finally saw what we'd been looking for. The top. Finally, I said and collapsed to my knees, exhausted. Von Pack fell to the ground and woke up yelling, Yeah! What, what's going on? He said, finally getting to a standing position. We're at the top, Vendicta said as she turned and Suma fluttered slowly to the ground. Oh, good, finally, Monpak said, settling his standing feathers back down to his body. You guys can start looking for those bands. I'm gonna rest, I said, and laid down on the grass. The heat from my fireball was incredibly soothing, and it wasn't long before I drifted off to sleep. Suma's POV Monpak, Vindictor, and I flew in separate directions, searching for the silver bands. Jake's fire spell was bright, but it wasn't enough to itself illuminate an entire mountaintop. So we literally were searching in the dark as most of us were too tired and drained of mana to cast our own fire spells. I didn't know how the others were doing, but if they were having as hard a time as I was, then we would be on this mountain for a while. In the darkness, the shadows all started to blend together. So much so that I nearly flew into boulders on two separate occasions, we searched for ten minutes before I finally heard Von Pack's voice call out. Yeah, I found it, he shouted. 
I flew over to his location to see for myself. And there it was. A single band wrapped tightly around a metal pole in the ground. We couldn't undo the bands, not with magic, as you need mana for that. So we each carefully grabbed it with our beaks and undid it. We crossed over and under one another like some kind of serpent twisting around in its death throes. In the end, however, we were able to undo it. Once it was free, we looked at it for a moment. Well, we tried to anyway. Is it getting darker? I asked. Your familiar must be running out of mana, Bonpak suggested. We had better get back to him. As he was saying that, suddenly it became bright again. What in Edmosia? Indicta wondered. Confused, we all flew back to Jake and saw him still lying on the ground. Above him was a fire spell, and it seemed to be slowly shifting in size, getting smaller and larger every few minutes. Jake, what are you doing with the fire spell? I asked, but he didn't answer. However, there was a strange noise that he was making. I flew over to beside his and realized he was asleep. He's asleep, I told the others quietly. But, um, he's making a noise, and his fire spell is still active, Von Pack pointed out. Huh, they're in rhythm, Vindicta said. What are? He's breathing and the fire spell, she said. The spell is growing and shrinking in time with his breathing. I stopped to watch the two for a moment, and she was right. As Jake breathed in, the spell got larger. When he breathed out, it shrunk. How is he doing that? Von Pack wondered. Which part? I wondered. All of it. How is he maintaining a spell while asleep? And how is he making it keep time with his breathing? He wondered. Well, I didn't call him Sentinel for nothing, I said. We have the bad now. Uh, should we wake him up? Vindict asked. I mean, uh, I think we should let him sleep. We will come in last and have to wake up early if we don't hurry, Von Pack reminded us. I, I think we're already going to have to do that, I said. Von Pack sighed. You're probably right, uh, but we still can't stay on Dragon's Heart of all places overnight. Why not? Jake's spell is producing enough heat to keep us warm and enough light to keep any beast away, Mendicta pointed out. We could at least get a few hours of sleep before going all the way back down. But if he runs out of mana before sunrise, Wanpak argued. Unlikely, I said. His mana capacity is huge, and even if he was constantly outputting mana, which he isn't, he is just maintaining a spell he already cast. Then it would still take over an hour for him to run out of mana. Over an hour? Bendicta asked, stunned. His life force density must be staggering. I can't even imagine his mana reservoir. Have you ever had it measured? Munpak asked. Actually, we have. His life force is 500 Kalma and about 60 Dalma. He also has a mana reservoir of 915, I told them. They both stood in sunned silence probably deciding if they'd actually believe such staggering figures. H how? Just... How? One pack wondered. Mindicta stayed quiet for a moment longer. She seemed to be deep in thought. Suma, I, uh... I don't mean to, uh... It's just, um... Well... She stopped herself. She had regretted saying anything in the first place. What is it? I asked. The rumors. I didn't believe them, not until you said, but, uh... I want you to know that I don't care about them, even if they are true, she started out. Rumors? What rumors? I questioned. I don't want to, uh, I don't mean to, she tried to say, but Von Pack cut her off. She means the rumors about your familiar, Jake, being a Viking. End of chapter.
The algorithm reckons you should be watching this video next, and I recommend that you should be always watching my video. So, click, click, click. With energy! And yes, clicking that does help the channel. Thank you very much.